The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Scramble Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chet. I'm joined by Tyler and Wade. And we have rumors that Futch will be dropping in in a few minutes, maybe. But we didn't want to wait on him because a few minutes to Futch might be 45. So maybe he'll join us for the end of the show. Who knows? But, guys, how are y'all doing? It's Monday night. Or not Monday night. Sunday night. Draft night. How are y'all doing? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, you know, not as much as sports anymore, but we do have the MLB draft, had some history going on, and I'm excited to get into some football content. And I, I just got to say, this is the one week of the year or, or for the foreseeable future that we will not have live sports on uh, starting Wednesday through Thursday. So, um, you know, this is your sports entertainment for the week right here. So if you, you get it. bored on Wednesday, just play in. the show again. And yep. there you go. Where's well, your you marketing for the week? Yeah, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and watch either the full show or watch all of the uh, segments cut up into smaller videos that Tyler likes to edit and put together. So there you go. Boom. And you can check out Wade's TikToks from the Home Run Derby over uh, over there at the Baton Rouge. Was it at Alex Box or was it at the Rougarou Stadium? Uh, they did the All-Star game at the Alex Box Stadium, but they typically do play um, down the road at a, a public field. Uh, so that was cool to see him play on, on the big field. Look at that. 45 well, minutes is. later. Not 45 minutes. Fudge, how Jake you doing? Fudge. What's going on, guys? We got a guest appearance, you can call it. Uh, but he, he's always <laughs> a member of the Sports Scramble crew. How you doing? You, you're here. We haven't talked I... to you in a while. I am here, yes. Uh, a lot of busy stuff, vacay, stuff like that, so yeah. No, totally understand. You're, you're a college graduate now. Last time you were on the show, you were still in college, so that, that shows the uh, growth you've made as a person. It's it's wonderful to have you back on. You sound more educated already. <laughs> yeah, look at him. He's already, he's already good. He's, all these, he's probably got his doctorate degree by by this point, um, no. and, and he's all these met, he's uh big talks and and so we're we're happy to have you on uh wade you mentioned the all-star game we had fudge join in as we were talking about it what you think of it was it was it a cool little show yeah. to see i think it's uh really cool that uh baton rouge does have a summer collegiate team and i think that the more fans that show up and if they could get a few of the lsu guys to stick around for the summer um, maybe some of the in-state players from the other schools i think it could definitely continue to grow um and I think it was really nice that they're able to do that event at LSU Stadium because it's a little bit easier to get to for, you know, um, most of us baseball fans in Baton Rouge. We know how to get to the box. We're very acquainted with it. So um, I thought that was a, a good move. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll go catch them play this week or another week, uh, you know, now that college baseball has slowed down and um, – not gonna be making any MLB games, so no, yeah. But I think I might have to make a trip to check out the Rougarou. And if I'm Jay Johnson, I'm gonna try to steer my team, my guys to go play for him during the summer so you can keep a closer eye on them. But before, yeah, you know, we talked <laughs> enough about LSU baseball the past few weeks, national champions, as Wade's got the hat on. 
Let's talk about the MLB draft happening right now. Uh, I don't have the live ticker. Let's see who's picking. Uh, but uh, Arizona. Arizona. I can keep this going. I can run a there side screen. Um, so number one uh, was as much discussion. We, we talked about it every week. Do you take Paul Skeens? Do you take Dylan Cruz? Some people said Wyatt Langford to each their own. Uh, or the high school guy. I can't remember his name, but he was drafted third. And uh, Max Bryce Harper. Who is it? Max, Max Clark. Clark. Yeah, Max Clark. He's Bryce Harper Jr. Um, after watching his little interview that he did. Uh, ultimately, the Pirates select Paul Skeens. Futch, since you're, you haven't been on in a few weeks, do you like the pick? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I think that the pick, looking at the Pirates organization and, and the Pirates farm teams, uh, the Pirates are up there as far as farm system goes, which is surprising considering their past uh, in the MLB. I, I think that it's a step in the right direction. They've made a big turnaround this year, and uh, them getting the first overall pick, I think, just boosts them further into that next uh, that next step for the, for the organization. I, I think that for the Pirates, Paul Skeens brings um, experience, he also brings, you know, MLB Velo and, and is a young guy. I mean, high MLB Velo. So I think that uh, his experiences in college benefit the Pirates big time. I, I get it with the high school guys and stuff, you know, in the MLB. Ultimately, a lot of them committed to play college baseball. So, you know, it's kind of a give and take when it comes to high school uh, kids. But, you know, when, when you get to the college guys, it, it really is – uh, a fast-moving process. So I, I, th- I don't expect Paul Skeens to spend very long in the farm system. I think he'll yeah. probably start out in Altoona. Uh, I, I think he'll probably play for the Altoona Curve for maybe a month, uh, and then you'll see him probably go to AAA and spend a lot of time at AAA ball. I think they're probably going to try to figure out where he fits uh, in the rotation in, in AAA. And uh, it ultimately, it, if the Pirates make the postseason, I think you might see Paul Skeens in October – uh, in the bullpen for the Pirates. No, I agree with you. I think you throw him, um, let him get his feet feet wet, and maybe put move him up to AAA because as a pitcher, you know he's got the stuff. It's more facing the, the different batters from – I mean, he faced a lot of great batters this year. I mean, you look at some of the guys that were, were drafted in the top ten. I mean, of course, he would face Dylan Cruz in the fall, but you got Wyatt Langford, um, who he actually never faced. But, you know, guys of that caliber um, – that he faced throughout the SEC in the regular season. So it's it's still great uh, hitters he's facing, but majors is just a whole nother ball game. You got to really be able to locate and get that swing and miss. You're not just going to blow it by – you're not going to blow a 98-mile-an-hour fastball by a major league hitter. The part that shocked me the most is that I have no idea, but Paul Skeen's strikeout rate is at 45%. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that's wild. Yeah, I think his uh, his average fastball was at 98 miles an hour, and they said he threw like 1,210 fastballs this season. I mean, you saw in Omaha uh, in the the game against Wake Forest, 40 of his pitches were fastballs, and they were they were averaging 99.6 miles an hour. He threw, I think he threw 30 over 100 miles an hour. It's insane the velocity. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of battling guys and being able to locate in the big leagues. Uh, Tyler, if the, if the Pirates are in the postseason, do you see him coming out of the bullpen? I definitely think uh, I could see him in the bullpen, but the Pirates won't be in the 
Brewers because the Cincinnati Reds are probably going to be overtaking them and the Milwaukee Brewers will ultimately potentially win that division. So I don't know. I just think that if they do win it, of course, that, you know, if you're in the playoffs, they would potentially be uh, in the wild card spot. But the really main question I have about Paul, Sque- Paul Skeens, do we see him be a two-way player? Yeah, whatever. Paul Skeens <laughs> be a two-way player. I've done a lot of talking the past two weeks, so <laughs> sorry for that. Uh, but do we see uh, Paul Skeens, you know, do a little bit of vote? Oh, I think the door is so. open. I mean, ESPN sure would like it to transform that way. Uh, so there could be two Shohei Otanis. Uh, I think ESPN said they had, just for fun, they had a second or a third round grade on him as a pure hitter, um, as a first baseman DH prospect. So the Pirates could go that route, but I think they made this pick because they wanted the surefire best pitching prospect in the last five years and, and a guy that can help them win now. I mean, I think that it's not this season, but I think with a good rest of the summer and a good spring training, he's a guy that has a chance to crack the opening day roster next year. And if it isn't right at the start of the season, I think by this time next year, we'll see him in that black and yellow. So um, I think that uh, it was definitely a win now move on the pitching side, but I I don't think we'll see it be a two way thing. We got Jack in the chat says, yo, what's up, Jack? Let us know if you think Paul Skeens was the right pick at number one, maybe he's a Florida fan. Who knows? Um, Second overall pick, Dylan Cruz. Uh, I mean, we're all LSU fans, Fletch 50-50, but he saw him play in person. I mean, 70-30. Oh, I like it, 70-30. There you go. I don't know if that's 70 towards LSU or 70 against LSU. To be determined. Nope. <laughs> um, we, saw, we saw him play in person for three years. We're arguably one of the best players to come through uh, Baton Rouge. How long do you think he spends in the minors, uh, Wade? Um, I think that by this time next year, we'll see him debut. So I think about right at a year. Uh, I think that they'll take it easy with him this summer. I think he'll probably start in high A or double A Altoona, as Jacob said. And then I think that next year he'll start either in double A or triple A and uh, work his way up around the all-star break. Oh, look, Jackson LSU fan. So he agrees with us. Paul Skeens was the right guy to be picked at number one. So, um, yeah, I mean, Cruz, he's got that talent. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like you said, it's just kind of getting adjusted. And, I mean, you see a bunch of guys, completely different sport, but you say like NFL, guys that are supposed to be like next generational talent. It just takes them a minute to get adjusted. And I think baseball specifically with the uh, – All about I mean, timing. All about timing. Exactly. And not about talent. Hot. They're all yeah. talented. Right. And I think one big thing is confidence and the mental game into it. And that's what I was going to get into with, with Max Clark once we get into him. But, Tyler, Jacob, do you like Dylan Cruz at two going to the Nationals? Tyler, you texted me and said, well, he's not going to be winning a lot. But maybe they're, they're using him as a building piece. Yeah, it's definitely a face of the franchise piece. So, you know, looking at the division, it's a very, very tough division. It just feels like the Atlanta Braves with their young town, they're going to be set up for in years. You know, the Phillies, what they've been building on in New York Mets. It's been a long down the Miami Marlins are, are just another team that has a, a lot of young talent. So it's definitely a tough division to be in, uh, but I definitely love the pick uh, for the Washington Nationals. You know, like I mentioned, they had a guy like Juan Soto and Turner a couple of years ago. They shipped him out. So I think that Dylan Cruz, he's a five-tool player. He can do it all on the diamond. So this is a fantastic pick for the Nats. I mean, you go Bryce Harper in center field, ship him off to Philly. Uh, Juan Soto's center 
did Watt play center fielder? He played. He played in the outfield. He's a right fielder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Dylan might be a right fielder uh, down I, the line yeah. as well. I mean, you, they ship him off to San Diego, and they bring in Dylan Cruz. So they're just cycling through guys that are going to be potential all stars. Um, Futch, you like to pick? Uh, I do. Uh, I hate that Washington is that number two team. Uh, I, I, I mean, and I'm happy for Dylan Cruz, but at the same time, I'm like, with his talent, generational talent, it. It kind of stinks that you go to a team like Washington who's true, still trying to figure out their identity again. I mean, a couple of good years uh, and you lose your key pieces and ship off your picks, your best your best drafted guys uh, of all time. And, of course, uh, kind of got turned away within that organization. I, I think that Dylan Cruz will be a good player uh, for the Nationals. I don't think his future – uh, for the MLB is going to be with the Nationals. I see him being okay. somewhere else. I mean, here's the thing. It, it kind of comes back closer to home with it, but if Dylan Cruz is definitely a guy you see in center field long-term, where does he fit good with other organizations as well? Look at it long-term. I think the best team that he fits with, uh, as far as hitting-wise goes, as far as position playing goes, is Houston. I think that the Astros like can that. benefit yeah, bring from a center Houston. fielder. Because uh, they really don't have a true center fielder. So, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see him in Houston. Dude, I, know, I know you Houston, would. I'm making a trip to Minute Maid. <laughs> yeah. Think about the only chance of him not debuting with Washington is if uh, – the Nationals call up the Angels and trade for Shohei Otani in like an hour. Right. And he goes to LA. But yeah, I don't know if he's a national for life per se, but another guy that should get up quick. And, um, you know, it seems like these guys are now signing extensions at a young age um, or they're getting traded at a young age, kind of like Juan Soto. So um, it's up to the Nationals to do it right this time. They let Bryce Harper slip away. They let Juan Soto slip away. Um, granted, with better teams around them at that point, I think that the Washington team that that Cruz will debut with will probably be the worst out of those three. So I am a little skeptical to see what they do as a franchise, but let's hope they don't let it happen three times in a row. Um, but I think it is uh, kind of poetic justice. I think Dylan Cruz reminds me a lot of Bryce Harper. They have a very similar batting stance. He wears number three, uh, kind of has the, the hippie hair. So... Uh, I think it's you mean only right that he follows in his footsteps. He's he's rocking the mullet. Uh, might be one of the most popular guys besides Morgan Wallen to rock the mullet. Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, Bryce Harper. We'll, we won't talk all that. I mean, we'll be here forever if we're going through every pick. But let's let's run it out with the number three pick, Max Clark, um, coming out of high school to play center field as well uh, to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he better watch out because my guy on MLB The Show plays outfield for the Detroit Tigers. So it might be a while. You just before got he gets sent going. down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but he was a guy that uh, when I was watching the draft, ESPN was was pumping the Bryce Harper uh, comparison. You saw his swing look very similar. He's got the speed. Um, I mean, he's got the confidence. That's that's no doubt about it. And I think as a young kid, you got to have almost a little bit of cockiness to think that you're better than everybody, and that's how you're going to move up. I mean, baseball is a huge mental game. So if you believe you can do it, then just go out. You got the skills, go out and perform. Uh, do y'all like the Tigers taking a high schooler at number three? Yeah, I, I think mean, he's I very surprised. talented. Tyler, you said you were surprised. 
Yeah, I thought it was going to go all SEC players, one, two, three. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm surprised. Doesn't why I'm not surprised. Detroit has done this in the past, taking a chance on a high school player. So, you know, you can't really go wrong in the top three. Matt Clark was one of the best uh, high school prospects, so I think that he's going to do really well. And it's not going to take long for him uh, to, be, you know, be in the big leagues too. Uh, I, I, I think. I think a little different. I, I see guys get into systems. I, this is so much different than high school, and, and I mean, we really haven't seen a high school kid at all rise up the ranks that fast. Uh, to be honest, I, I think that it's hard to 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 say that you know we think that they could be playing on a big league roster in the next two years. Uh, I I don't think it's realistic when it comes to those especially picking, you're taking a, a lot of jump from sure. high school to the majors right i mean right these yeah. dudes are, i mean you're seeing four or five years older than the guys you were facing in high school for one he's used to Absolutely. hitting off seniors and like sophomores on the mound and now you got dudes that are 28 pumping like probably 103 <laughs> come on it, you got to look at it both sides i get it he's a really good player and somebody was bound to pick him in the first round but the thing is is if you're a team picking a high school guy, especially number what three overall, yeah, I think you take you take a huge risk. I mean, a massive risk by doing something like that. Um, you really have to know what you're getting into and who you're getting the ins and outs. You know, every breath that they take in order to to make sure that you made the right pick because you can't get it back ultimately. Right. I mean, and you also, I mean, you got to be on this kid like White on Rice because he's 18 years old, just got thrown a bag. You got to make sure you don't do anything stupid and uh, really jeopardize your chances there. He's What's committed. The... He's committed to Vanderbilt. So uh, take that as you will. Probably not a dummy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the rookie contract looks like? Um, uh, over those starts at like eight million dollar signing bonus and kind of works its way. Well, I'm wondering down. like year, like how long? Is, is three, four years? It's not really a year thing. It's a service time thing since you're not going straight to the major leagues. Right. So you don't really have a – it's kind of like an annual renewal in the minor leagues. And then once you get to the pros, your service time starts, and you're basically on a six-year contract. So it's actually one of the longer rookie deals in in sports. Uh, I think the NFL does four for first-round picks. So um, – they're just banking on these guys taking a while to develop and gotcha. Uh, okay. I, w- I wasn't curious because the MLB draft confuses the heck out of me. It does. The slot me picks. It's one part of the um, game I really don't get. <laughs> I think I'm sure it'll come out later, but I believe the the record was eight or seven million, seven or eight million dollars uh, for, for the number one pick. And I'm looking on MLB.com. The approximate pick value for Paul Skeens was 9.7 million. Uh, they definitely so they, went over uh, what uh, they thought they were going to have to spend. I, it basically breaks down like you have. Do they negotiate this money. with the player, player beforehand? They can't. Well, the agents can, yes. So you, so MLB is a little different from most of the sports um, in the fact that they do the lottery. Well, actually, everybody does the lottery except for the NFL. Right. So that kind of prohibits tanking, but not really. I mean, Washington and Pittsburgh were two of the worst teams, undoubtedly. Um, but then each team has a certain pool of money uh for the entire draft so the idea is each pick has a a number value associated with it a certain cost but that's just an estimate so they can negotiate a little bit ahead of time and kind of get a feel for what 
the top player wants to get. So Dylan Cruz's camp was asking for $10 million. Now he got Pittsburgh nine, has supposedly. a lot of needs, so they don't want to drop yeah. a third of their budget on one player. And, and a team like right. maybe the Nationals was just willing to say, you know what, he's worth that generational talent. We're going to overspend on on Dylan and then maybe kind of lowball a another college player or something. But if you can save money on that number one pick, maybe you can convince a guy to not come back for a senior year, not go to college and, and get two first round picks kind of in a way. Well, it confuses the heck out of me and I'm glad you just broke it down and you got it. It's a negotiation game there. So uh, we'll tune into the draft as it goes out. Uh, Jack said he would have picked Rhett Louder. Uh, I like that pick. Three. I, yeah. I like that pick for Cincinnati. That's huge. I like that he's on That's Cincinnati I, too because they've yeah. kind of become a project team of mine because I really like watching them play. <laughs> one of my favorite teams. Yeah. Well, that's what I was about to say. Cincinnati <laughs> just added Rhett Louder. They got Ellie De La Cruz who was just – and I mean, if he would have been caught up a little earlier, he's obviously playing in the All-Star game. Uh, potentially the home run derby with the nukes that the kid's hitting. And that's kind of what's going to be my uh, turning point away from the draft. Talk about some MLB baseball. This week, Ellie De La Cruz stole second, third, and home all in the same inning. The man, it, it, Tyler and I actually were playing MLB the show against two yeah. random kids, and they were using the Reds, and he stole second, third, and he attempted to steal home, but we got him out. <laughs> yep. That's all that was happening in real life. <laughs> exactly. So, but it's, uh, I mean, it's it's insane. I can't remember a player that was at, at this level of just athleticism, the speed, the height, and he plays third base. The dude hits. Kind of like odds. Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna in one body, which is uh, saying a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, and he just, I mean, when was he drafted? Uh, so he was an international player, so they are not included in the draft, which is another okay. kind of weird caveat to the draft. Really interesting. You just because you're the number one overall pick, and maybe this year is the only time in recent history that you could argue the number one overall pick is the best player coming into baseball next year. I mean, there's probably not an international prospect at that level, but any other year, it doesn't matter what some 18-year-old's doing in high school in Kansas. It matters right. what somebody's doing in the Dominican Republic and in Venezuela Yeah, because really. they're playing pro ball since they're 12. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the birth certificates for them to play on your travel teams. They, um, go, they go to the academies and um, – it's a very competitive process because they have a separate pool of money for international guys. And yeah. I'm sure that it's not completely regulated like we see for the draft. But So uh, is it is it a draft for the international guys? Is that how that works? I think it's not like really. It's yeah, it's, they're really. just free agents. I mean, believe it or not, a lot of teams um, send a lot of scouts down there. Basically, they can do whatever they want. I mean, everybody's a free agent. Uh, as long as they declare that they want to pursue the MLB, and which I'm sure all do. of them do, yeah. So it's yeah. one of those things where it's that's why it's they're so abundant, you know, in farm teams and, and you know minor league baseball. Why there's so many foreign people playing um, is they're able to do it, and, and believe it or not, I think that these teams actually do it for cheap too. On top of it. Oh yeah. So I, I think they're saving a ton of money. But baseball's changing. And I said this one of like a long time ago on the show uh, that I think baseball's changing because college is becoming very much priority 
in the MLB. Um, and I think it should be like that. And I, I fully support bringing guys that have experience at the next level out of high school or anywhere else. You know, I fully, you know, back that, that they, they get an opportunity from college first. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like they've been exposed a little more. We know who they are. We know we've seen them. Uh, and it's kind of like basketball. Think of, think about NBA basketball. I mean, you don't see very many foreigners get taken. I mean, sure, you right. see a few, but it's not like they're lining the court every night uh, for a game. You see a lot it's of starting guys. starting to shift that way, though. Uh, sure, it past, is. But would it be more years. fun to see all the potential players in the draft pool like have international prospects, have college prospects, have high school prospects, and see – what the hierarchy is, I think that you would find that American high school prospects would be going to college a lot because they're yeah. already getting passed up by college players. And I think they would definitely get passed up by guys who have been going to baseball academies in foreign countries sure. since they were in middle school. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I think, think it, it would help college dynamics. baseball a good bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it would change a lot of things. You, I mean, of course, you would have those generational talents like uh, I've been mentioning his name a bunch tonight, Bryce Harper who would go number one and, you know, that's someone you don't pass up. But then you got some of these guys who are on the fence, kind of like a Dylan Cruz three years ago. He's on the fence. Do I go to the draft? Do I go uh, play college ball? I think that decision to go to college ball would be a, a lot more. I mean, the game's already interesting, but that would just – that would change a lot of things. You've got a lot better players coming in um, that never would have actually gone to college. So, and, uh yeah. NIL is also a, a changing, you know, that kind of dynamic. You know, you're getting some guys that, oh, you could get a couple hundred thousand in the draft or you could sign a couple hundred thousand dollar NIL deal that you're getting every year. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Tyler, would you have drafted Ellie De La Cruz number one uh, if he was eligible for the draft? Without question. There's really no doubt about it. <laughs> Next question. Who do you like better, really Ronald Acuna or Ellie De La Cruz? Oof. Uh, about injury injury prone Acuna. Okay, if so, yes. <laughs> put him I, mean, I wouldn't have Ellie De La Cruz stealing all three bases at <laughs> every time he goes up there, else he's gonna oh. be on that path too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I figured it out. He had that weird thing on the bottom of his bat. And yeah, it, the, like uh, the axe handle bat. Yeah, and, and that that was the yeah they, they has he hit a home run his, since then? It's only twenty. No no they yet. they checked it and he he it was took fine it and then he hit a home run the next at bat. Did he? Yeah. He ended and up then, taking it off because they said he uh, they said it. Oh okay. Well then you hit it without the counterweight or whatever it was. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Who was that against? <laughs> he hit it four hundred and fifty feet. That was Washington against yeah against yeah. the Nationals. Yeah. And then the next <laughs> series, I guess he was just taking his anger out on the uh, the Brewers. And uh, <laughs> this thing. Well, I think we'll definitely see him in the home run derby come next year. Uh, we got all star yeah. week. Home run derby is tomorrow night. Tomorrow, um, yeah, yeah, Monday night. We've got the brackets released. Uh, you've got Luis Robert Jr. at the number one seed taking on Adley Rushman in the eight. Pete Alonzo, the polar bear, going for his third win uh, in the two seed, taking on Julio Rodriguez, number seven. Um, number three seed Mookie Betts versus number six Vladdy Daddy Guerrero Jr. And number four Adelis Garcia versus Randy Arizarena. Tyler, you got to help me out with this one. Arizarena. 
I know. I said the same thing last week. Picks. Jacob, who you got winning? Um, I I won't go with Mr. Rice Aroni. Um, no, I I <laughs> I um just like the I, I think uh I think my pick uh is Adolis Garcia. Oh, uh, you no, I that can't guy, say that word. That, <laughs> I wanted to pick him. That guy pick him? absolute bombs. Uh, I, he's just a power hitter, and you know power hitters reign supreme in this. It doesn't matter how consistent you are at the plate. Um. I just think that he definitely uh, hits the ball the furthest and will definitely um, garner the most attention out of uh, the fans. So I, I think it'll be fun. My only thing with the home run derby, okay, is that you can't have the same guys year after year after year. Yeah, playing yeah in the home run derby. I don't love like, that. Pete Alonso, you are cut off. You need to go help your team. Yeah, once you guys yeah. stop. <laughs> like, you guys someone else so had their fun. Yeah, so I get having Julio Rodriguez in it because he's yeah, the hometown guy. I get it. Um, yeah, so I, I just think that there should be an opportunity for somebody else. I kind of like Adelie Rushman in there only because he's young and it, he's not going to win, but it, I would be surprised if he hits more than five homers. But it, uh, I, I think it's a good opportunity for young guys to uh, to experience it. It's It's just a fun social thing. Exactly. They're all having a party down on the field. Wade, who are you picking? All right. I'll go with a different angle here. I'm going to go with the hometown guy, Julio uh, Rodriguez. I think that. Wow. I guess. (laughs) He was a late ad. And I think we all want Pete Alonzo to just take a year off from this thing. Um, I don't really like how they did the pairings, though. I mean, I, I think that you got to put some respect on Alonzo and match him up against like Adley Rushman or something. Guerrero. And then Mookie Betts goes up against Vlad Guerrero. Like I would pick that as a final if it was allowed, but I can't pick either one of them now that they have to play each other first round. So yeah. I think uh, he almost won it last year has the home crowd going. If he can get past uh, the first round, I think that he has a pretty smooth path. Okay. Tyler, who you got? Well, since we all want to be different here on the show, I'm going to pick from last week and go with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, it's a very favorite matchup against Mookie Betts. If he gets all, he can hit absolute nukes in this at T-Mobile Park. It can be Nuke City. So, going to go with Vlad Daddy. Vlad Daddy. I like it. That was going to be my pick. Well, since I don't know how to say his name, I'm going with Rice-A-Roni. Rosarena. Mr. Randy. I have no idea. I don't watch a lot of pro baseball, but I'm picking Rice-A-Roni. He's probably the underdog out of all. He wanted to do it first. He was the first one to sign up, even before the polar bear. So, okay. All I know is that Tommy Tanks will be in the home run derby in the next five years. Yeah, against Ellie De La Cruz and (laughs) – Maybe Ronald will come back. So let's uh, we got one more little baseball stat to get into before we hit the All Star break. Uh, Detroit Tigers yesterday throw a combined no hitter against the Blue Jays. You'll love to see the solo no hitter, but it's just as impressive to do a combined because you got three guys coming in that can't let up a hit. And our boy Alex Lang finished it off from LSU. Um, so congratulations to the Tigers. Cool to see. Uh, sucks for the Blue Jays, but. It is what it is. That's it's a tough team to no hit. That's really? a rough one. To go yeah. back to the previews, I picked the Blue Jays to win this division. They're stinking it up. <laughs> well, well, let's let's talk let's talk about the fact that four out of the five teams that are in the AL East 
are technically uh, in the top eight, like at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, one needs to go to the central yeah. is all I got to say. Division. <laughs> Boston like needs to go to the central. We'll see how it all shapes. That makes up no sense, Wade. The... <laughs> They're further east than New York. Just, wait, because they would say win it. I was trying to give you a bonus. The... <laughs> okay, fine. Tampa Bay can go to the AL Central. Okay, yeah. Well, no, put them or in the, the uh, east. Yeah, well, they're in the east. They move to the NLE. I don't know. It's yeah. fine. The division. Any of those teams fine. would win the AL Central. Move we'll, Tampa we'll to restru- the NL. Get out of here. <laughs> we'll restructure the MLB on our off time. We'll call up a uh, Manfred. Uh, he was getting a lot of booze today, tonight. I don't know if y'all caught that. He did. ESPN <laughs> was normally, you know, for the NFL draft, they just ignore the the uh, uh, the booze to the commissioner. But tonight, they're like, oh, yeah, they don't seem to like the commissioner tonight. They're booing him <laughs> left and right. Bro, it's like, oh. every pick. I'm watching it right now. The Brewers are making their selection. And this man's getting booed on the 18th pick of the draft. Like, they're consistently booing this guy. Be I mean, oh, Brock, Wil- Brock Wilkin. Oh, he was oh, from the Forest. for Wake Forest. Wow. Yeah. Got a lot of power. Uh, just disappeared in the games against LSU. I might see a lot of nukes in Biloxi. <laughs> That is true. Yeah, that'll that'll be a fun Ooh, one to that's, watch. See, that's a good point right there. There we go. Yeah, get to see him. Might be our next shucker that we get to root on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I, they almost booed um, Ken Griffey Jr. because they were busy booing Manfred, and as soon as Griffey stepped on the stage, they had, oh, wait, 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 wait. We like him. So. Um, <laughs> All right, well, let's shift gears uh, from MLB over to fantasy football. We have our fantasy football expert, Tyler. Uh, We all need to pay attention to this week's slideshow with the wide receivers because that is going to be who you want to take in the draft. It's going to define your team. So, Tyler, if you're ready, I'll throw the slideshow up for you. All right, Wade, here's your first overall pick, potentially. Number one overall wide receiver. It should be no surprise, Justin. There's really nothing that I need to say about this fan. Every season, he's just very consistent, very consistent. I know they drafted Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC. Should that really, you know, die into this? Not really. I don't think that Jordan Addison, he's probably going to be the wide receiver too, alongside KJ Osborne. So there's not really anything that needs to be said about this fan. He is by far not only going to be the number one overall fantasy wide receiver, but also the number one overall fantasy receiver. So don't even sweat it. Last year, Jonathan Taylor, I was so high on him, but Justin Jefferson, he's an elephant, so go with him at pick number one. Going on to pick number two, if you can go along and scroll on. I have well, I'm number trying two. to, but it won't <laughs> Hold on here. We're having some technical difficulties. Okay. Wait, well, while I'll- we're trying to figure out the slideshow, are you taking Jefferson at number one? <laughs> it depends on the slot value. If he's asking for too much, I might go with a lower slot and take uh, Jamar. I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, in all likelihood, yes, I would say. Uh, Justin Jefferson, to me, is the consensus number one wide receiver, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Jamar take a really big leap this year. I don't think he was fully healthy, and I think that the Bengals offense has the potential to be way better than what the Vikings can present. But uh, just far as like total targets and control, I agree, Tyler. I mean, it's hard to beat Jefferson. All right, yeah. going number two, another LSU boy here. Yeah, another LSU man. I had this guy on my team last year. Now, there was some injury concerns uh, last year about Jamar Chase couple of games but if you just look at his stats from last year Joe Burrow has that college connection uh, with them he's you know 
there's a lot of talent on the Cincinnati Bengals roster, especially at the wide receiver. You have T. Higgins. He can he can also be a top 20 wide receiver. You also have Tyler Boyd, who's one of the best receiver threes in all the NFL. So I think you're going to see a fully healthy Jamar Chase season. So if you're at pick number two or pick, I would definitely feel confident in, in taking Jamar Chase. I think he's going to be right up there with, uh, you know, his teammate and Justin Jefferson. And I have the, the number two pick in our in our draft, and yes, you I do. am bouncing between Jamar Chase or maybe taking a guy like Austin Eckler or CMC. Um, I haven't made that decision yet. I'll have to do some more research. And I, I like how you added the half PPR points um, for Cameron yeah. since he likes to play half PPR leagues. <laughs> uh, but everybody else plays full PPR, so just double it yeah. from there. Yeah, I just wanted oh, to make sure because I know that there's a lot of formats. You have half PPR, just standard. Uh, you half know, PPR is the, the king. It makes also sense. Have PPR, so. All right, next one is uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, this one was another player that also dealt with injuries and also injury to his quarterback, Matthew Stafford, pretty much missed the whole entire uh, 2022 season. And after that, it was just a quarterback carousel for Cooper Cup. Uh, but whenever he's on the field, he is an elite wide receiver. I think that if he has a fully healthy season, he could be right there along with, you know, the number one, number two receivers that I had on this list, Jamar Chase. Uh, also, Justin Jefferson, you know, Cooper Cup, the times that he's been healthy, just look back two years ago when he had the most insane season at the wide receiver position. So, as long as Matthew Stafford is healthy, I would definitely feel confident in taking Cooper Cup. There always is going to be that injury concerns. I do think that it's not really concerns about Cooper Cup. I expect him to be fully healthy. It's just a matter of is Matthew Stafford going to be the same quarterback like he was injury because it was a very severe injury, so you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. But I do feel confident with Cooper Cup. There's not really – Well, we might have lost but outside of that, there's not going to be really many wide receivers that are going to be taking his target share. So Cooper Cup is going to be the main man in Los Angeles. So if something does happen with Stafford and he's not supposed to return at the beginning of the season, do you still like Cup at the three wide receiver? I, I definitely think that there's there would be some knock. You know, Matthew Stafford, you know, he does have that experience. He has the arm talents. I would probably move out of the top five, I would have to say, if Matthew Stafford isn't a full go for this season because the connection is just so real between them. You know, we saw when both of them were healthy in that season right. that he just broke many records in the fantasy. So, yeah, I would definitely keep an eye on Matthew Stafford's injury more of Cooper Cup when, when looking at Cup this offseason. Okay. Number four. This one's Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, you know, I gave a lot of hype about Bijan Robinson last week. Tyreek Hill is about the same as my on the wide receiver position. I, I am really all in on this Miami doll. Now, the main concern has always been about Tua's, uh, you know, injury concerns. It's very similar to what Matthew Stafford has been going in. But Tyreek Hill, even without Tua, has really been a consistent, you know, fantasy wide receiver. You know, the talk. Going from Kansas City to Miami, was he going to be the same fantasy wide receiver? And he showed it even with a back carousel of, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, we saw as well. So, you know, he is has an elite level speed. He's one of the fastest, uh, you know, wide receivers. He also, Jalen Waddle is too. So, they're, they're looking at fantasy managers, look at Tyreek Hill. They always have Jalen Waddle on their mind because Jalen Waddle – you know, isn't as good as Tyreek Hill, but he definitely has a lot of upside that he can bring to the table. So 
I'm just Tyreek Hill. There is some issues off the field too. Uh, so I, there, there's definitely concerns with that, but I'm definitely yeah. all Tyreek Hill going into the season. So I would definitely, like, you know, think about him in the middle of the first round. But if you, if he's there, like pick eight, pick nine, and if you don't take him, you look like a complete fool not taking Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Tyler calling everybody out if you pass on Tyreek Hill I mean, in the last first year. round. Remember that. Remember <laughs> that. Might as well do it again. I mean, he was. I believe he ended last year's fantasy season as the number one wide receiver. So yeah, we'll see yeah. if he can repeat it. Number yeah, five. Number five, Stefan Diggs. I feel like this guy has always been a top five fantasy wide receiver in my rankings. Uh, so, you know, this is, has been one of his favorite targets uh, in the past seasons. You know, looking at his stats, that's just absurd. 11 touchdowns. It feels like every time that the Buffalo Bills are in the red zone, He's getting a touchdown. Uh, so I just think that he's one of the more consistent wide receivers. And that's what you want whenever you have a first-round draft pick. Somebody can be consistent but also provide a lot of upside. And I think that Diggs provides that, especially with the connection that he has with Allen and, you know, the, the absolute, you know, ball hawk that he is. He has a lot of the target share. You know, you, you know, Gabe Davis, I'm not really worried about him. He's had a couple of games that – really caught fantasy manager's eyes. So I just don't really think that Gabe Davis is that. I think that Stephon Diggs is for sure and by far the wide receiver one on this team. So I would definitely feel confident in picking Diggs heading into the fantasy season as well. So that's my top five receivers. Next week we'll get into the quarterbacks. I like it. I mean, you got to get prepared early. The fantasy football season is coming up amongst us. Uh, I know I'm starting to watch some videos, trying to get my guys going, because I've got the number two pick since Wade beat me in the toilet toilet bowl last year to take that <laughs> yeah. number one pick. Uh, I like that. I like that rule. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice it, tradition. Yeah, it gives, uh, it gives you know, the last place guys something to play, play with um, to where, you know, we could have just sat there on the sidelines and I would have had the number one, he would have had the number two because I was dead last. Uh, but now... Wade beat me, so he gets the number one, and I get the number two. I think we'll continue. Does it? Does it not feel like? Does it not feel like we've waited more than a year for fantasy football? Yeah, because I was out of it at like Thanksgiving last year. Yeah, (laughs) it feels like we've been literally out of it forever. Like it's just one of those things where I was below five hundred and I was playing awful. Like I started off, I think I started off three and zero, and I just tanked, and then all of a sudden here I come back when the playoffs come around uh, and stuck around for quite a while. So. Yeah, you managed to make it to the championship. So, um, yeah. minus, I don't You hurt know. your draft stock. Yeah, I did. I really did. Would have been yeah. picking number two or number three, potentially, <laughs> you know, Justin Jefferson or somebody. I, I was honestly thinking just about tanking. Like, halfway through the season, I was. But the cool thing like about early having a six, having eight teams is uh, – out of Tyler's guys that he's going to give everybody over the next couple of weeks. I mean, there's a good chance you could get one of his top five running backs and wide receivers on your team. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you're probably getting a guy like Josh Allen or Mahomes um, to lead your offense. So, yeah. or Travis Kelsey, you know, is mm-hmm. oh, a Kelsey falls in the second round. Y'all are just stupid. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I you could argue he's a better wide receiver than I don't know. Potentially, honestly, if I would or... have to rank him in this wide receiver list, I would put him right up there with Jamar Chase. I, I mean, he basically is the Chiefs' number one wide yeah. receiver, even though he plays tight. Unless they go and get somebody, 
Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, have you been here in some uh, rumblings? Be of bringing in Deshaun Watson or Deshaun, not Deshaun, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Deshaun Watson to the Chiefs. That would be like the only no, way uh, that I could see competition, but still, Travis Kelsey's the man. Right, and you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Let's get into those rumors. You got Chiefs, Patriots, and Titans all in contact with the wide receiver. Um, Patriots and Titans have offers on the table to him, and Hopkins says he's in no rush. He's just chilling. He's enjoying life, probably hitting up the vacation spots, all the big parties. Um, all right, Antonio Brown. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> he he likes where he's at. Uh, so we'll, uh, I think – if I'm Deshaun or DeAndre, I'm with Deshaun. DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> they played together I'm, for a long time. I'm signing with the Chiefs. I mean, are you kidding me? You could have Patrick Mahomes throwing you the ball or uh, Mac Jones and Tannehill. I mean, look, Neil's a Titans fan. He doesn't want, you don't him want to it. end up on the Titans. Uh, so if I'm Hopkins, I'm signing with the Chiefs. Do you all agree with me? Or do you Neil's, know, a, Neil's, a, Neil's a if system. If the offer's guy. on the table, yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, obviously, he wants the money, but wants a ring. He's the Patriots is an interesting project. one because they're kind of making a push. They don't want to get left behind in the AFC East, but uh, after all the, the noise the Jets made and and Miami, and then Buffalo didn't make any noise, but they're the reigning champ. I I wouldn't want to go there and potentially get fourth in my own division. Yeah, that's true. Um, other. Uh, news or i guess what we're going to start now is we're going to start breaking down each division uh this week we've got the afc south and the nfc south keeping it in the southern hemisphere um afc south things you got, the houston, texans. <laughs> you got the houston texans the indianapolis colts the jacksonville jaguars and the tennessee titans so let's start with them who's your pick to win the afc south jacob you're shaking your head you don't like the afc south my pick to win the AFC oh, South, God. believe it or not, folks, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey. I think it's a good pick. I, like uh, the pick. No, I think that they have completely reinvented uh, what it means to play in Jacksonville. I, I just think that Trevor Lawrence has learned a lot. Uh, they have a veteran coach in Coach Peterson. I think that they really, um, I, I think they really have an opportunity to be the the team that leads the AFC South for quite a long time. Um, they have good running back, you know, activity. They have good wide receivers, young wide receivers, some vets. Uh, they have everything. It, in something in that division that nobody else has is defense. And Jacksonville, I think, by far has the best defense in the AFC South. Okay. Like it. Tyler, who's your pick? Yeah, this is pretty easy. I don't think that the division's not going to be much of a race. It's going to probably be over by like week nine or week 10. This is going to be a runaway for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this offense is going to get better. They're getting Calvin Ridley back. And this guy was an absolute beast whenever he yeah. was on the Atlanta Falcons before he was betting on, you know, you know football. So uh, he's going to be back. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks. I think that he's going to have, you know, last year we – really good this year i think he's going to take it to the next level and jacob pinning at it it's a young talented defense they showed it on their way to the playoffs so not really much to say about jaguars are going to win this division pretty handily okay wade pick somebody but it can't be the jaguars all right well i think the titans have the best chance to uh take down the jaguars uh, i think that they'll probably split their season series 
ultimately Jacksonville will take it, but uh, I think the Titans are being slept on just a little bit. I think their defense was good enough last year to hang in there against the Bengals and the and the Chiefs. But he uh, says it right here. Defense one of the top in the league. So yeah, I think they have the uh, seniority to hang in there. But ultimately, if Jacksonville clicks, they should take this. Okay. The only thing with Neil there, I, I to Neil's comment, uh, the only thing is, is Neil, they might have a top defense, but they have to be able to score the football. And if they can't score true. the football, they can't yeah. win games, which they struggle to do. <laughs> Neil, let me know who you want to start at quarterback. Yeah, Will Levis. He's going to have to have uh, a full flip. It's going to be Tannehill this year. For them to even have a remote chance to compete in this division. All right, well, the other two teams we didn't talk about were the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Out of those two teams, who do you see having a better season? They both have brand-new quarterbacks with C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Um, Of course, Indianapolis has a phenomenal running back where the Texans had a guy in Damian Pierce who looked really good last year in his rookie season, but he had an injury to to end that season. Um, Let me ask you, Tyler. Who do you like better, the Texans or the Colts? I like the Texans. I definitely like their two draft picks that they added. You know, C.J. Stroud. I don't know if C.J. Stroud's ultimately going to be the start in the first couple of weeks. I think it's going to be the Davis Mills show to open up the season. Then it's going to be a quick transition to C.J. Stroud. I think it's going to be the complete opposite of Indianapolis. I think that they're all in on Anthony Richardson in the top five and, you know, spent all that capital on, you know, yep. trading up for him. I think that Anthony Richardson's going to be their guy. Matt Ryan is no longer with Matt them. Ryan, and, you know, just Carson went there. So they're just done with the quarterback carousel. They just want a guy that's going to be with them consistently. Their defense, though, they definitely have a lot of key holes on them. Their offense, you know, outside Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pippen, they're just not an offense that really scares you. I think that Houston's offense, so they are one of the, you know, the sneaky offenses are slowly building around. So, you know, Brandon Cooks is now in the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, so Nico Collins is going to be their wide receiver one. They have Dalton Schultz. Uh, he was, you know, one of the most consistent tight ends, you know, Dak Prescott in Dallas. And like you talked about, Damian Pierce, he had a season with him. I think that he's going to take full force to that position. And then you also have like Will and you have Lee, who's one of the best, the best quarterbacks. So, I think that uh, Houston's ultimately going to be the third place team in Indianapolis is probably going to be Vaughn once again for the the number one pick. I don't think they're going to be that good. Okay. Interesting take there. Uh, Maybe they give up on Richardson halfway through the season. Um, Let's shift gears though. I guess I can give you my pick. I want to say Jacksonville, but I'll be different. I'll be different. I'll go hometown Houston Texans. (laughs) CJ Stroud lead him to the top of AFC South. Um, you want to place the bet now? It no, happens. I mean, we've seen the AFC uh, first to worst scenario a couple times, and if there is a I wide mean, open division, this is one of them. Yeah. Worst, 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 worst to first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what he means. Uh, let's let's shift gears. NFC South, a division that the four of us are very familiar with, with Wade being the hometown Carolina Panthers fan, and then the three <laughs> of us being the New Orleans Saints, and of course we have the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tyler, you mentioned QB carousel. This is a QB carousel division. Four completely new QBs. Uh, You got – why did I just blank on his name? Mr. Bryce, that's up in Carolina. I can't remember his last name. (laughs) So, um, yes, Bryce Young in Carolina, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. Um, It's the Florida Cat. What's his name for Tampa Bay now? uh, Baker's there. You're looking like – Do you think Baker's going to be the starter? 
There's no way that Kyle Trask is going to be starting quarterback. I think Baker has a a decent year, enough to keep him getting paychecks. No, they won't. They're going to be buying number one pick, and they're going to be picking Caleb Williams next year. Maybe. Okay. Uh, 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 Their plans the are They're kind of like the Titans. The defense is good enough to to win them some games. Yeah, they just gotta stay healthy. That, that I mean that's that's I think the the key ingredient to everybody. So, out of the four, Jacob, who's your pick to win the division? Um, my pick to win the division is the Carolina Panthers. Oh, I knew he, uh, I knew he was going spicy. I saw the look on his face. <laughs> and the, the reason in his eye. And the reason why um it's not Bryce Young and I think it's because the Panthers kind of figured it out late in the season last year uh cuz honestly I mean the NFC South was so atrocious last year that nobody should have watched a game of football in the NFC South um I think that Carolina is ultimately a team I think that can win um nine or 10 games and win and win the division. I, I definitely think it's going to be a struggle. Teams are going to split. It's honestly going to be what we've seen the last few years. Um, Bryce Young brings a lot to the table offensively, obviously. Um, defensively, Carolina's gotten really good. Uh, they've got a young core, and I really think that they can develop them into uh, a really dominant defense in the NFC. In the future, uh, their secondary is very underrated. Uh, they're also really young. So I think that they ultimately can win the division. Uh, best second-place team right behind them is probably New Orleans. I think the Saints are probably the second, if they can drum up some offense this year. That's um, a big question. That's Mark, a big if. So, you know, it's kind of how is it going to be with Derek Carr taking the reins? Um the world may never know. So I don't know, but it's, uh, no, I, I'm just being, I'm just being realistic. Jack says, boo. Yeah, he doesn't like it. Jacob. He says, who I that? don't know. I'm not a saints fan. So I can't, I can't, I don't know. Well, yeah, you're a Patriots fan. I guess your opinion doesn't matter. Tyler, who are you picking to, to take those NFC South? Yeah, I think that this is, I don't know, this is going to definitely be an interesting division to watch. You know, like you mentioned, the, the different quarterbacks in this division. I do think that Bryce Young in his first year is going to be the story to watch. You know, how he goes from going to a system like Alabama to, to Carolina. You know, they have added Miles Sanders, who I'm sure that, you know, Jacob remembers and loves. <laughs> but uh, I just think Not that fantasy the fantasy-wise, but. The, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> The question mark, though, is going to be at the wide receiver position. There's no more, no longer DJ Moore. So it's going to be Terrace Marshall and DJ Chark. I think that those are going to be the two wide receivers to watch. I do think that they have one of the best defenses in this division. Tampa Bay, you know, like you mentioned, the offense, that's going to be a huge question mark. You know, you don't have, you know, the goat of the sport of Tom Brady going to Baker Mayfield. Right. You know, who has had his bright moments, but more than not, it's been more negative. So, and then you have the Atlanta Falcons uh, with their young talent we'll see you know if Desmond Ritter can take it to the next level as to this team you know can make it back to the playoffs you know they added a guy like B. John Robinson who's one of the elite running backs in his draft class Drake London you know he had some injuries so you know Kyle Pitts can he finally show up uh, and you know be a big threat in the red zone I think that their defense does have some young talent but it's just a step away I think it's just the Saints I think that the Saints just have the the best roster uh, you know out, out of all these divisions you know Derek Carr 
isn't no Drew Brees, but I definitely think it's a step up, you know, from Andy Dalton, what they had last year. It's been some injury concerns oh, with James Winston. And I think that the wide receivers, you know, you're hopefully expecting that Michael Thomas, you know, will get a full season out of him, but you just never know. But I don't even think it matters. I think that Chris Olave is going to be their wide receiver one this season. Rashid Shahid has also been a huge threat. And then you add guys like Foster Morrow in the offseason period with Jawan Johnson. I think that this offense has all the talent. And Alvin Kamara is suspended. You have a guy like Jamal Williams and Keandre, Keandre Miller. And then your defense, you know, is, is one of the best defenses still. You added Brian Brzee to the draft. So I do think that this will be a close division. I have Atlanta finishing second. I just think that they have the talent on both sides of the ball to to compete. I do think that there will be some splits between the, you know, the four teams, but I think that New Orleans will win this division. I'll say that they win it at 11-6. I like it. I think New Orleans takes the cake. Uh, <laughs> bold, bold prediction. Yes, Jacob, would you like to, you know, we haven't been here in a while. 11? Would you like to start up a debate? 11? Wow. 11 wins for the second. 11 wins is going to win the division. It's, a, it's that, one of the easiest schedules uh, in the NFL. So that I think would that... shock me. Eleven wins by anybody in the in, in the NFC South. Jacob's the NFC South hater. Once we get up to to your New England Patriots, we'll God, let I you... couldn't watch a single game of NFC we'll South. Bury the Patriots. In the it was you can't do that in the South. <laughs> Hopefully, God, it was terrible. I couldn't Look. watch any football because that's all that's on in the South. <laughs> Hopefully this season will be better. Wade, are you picking your hometown Panthers or are you your honorary Saints fan? Who are you going come with? Come on, come on. I'm gonna go with neither one. Oh, oh, oh. God, he's picking Tampa. <laughs> the Bucks. No, I'm picking Atlanta. <laughs> okay, Desmond. I think Ritter, Atlanta to the promised land. I think Atlanta's got the next young core. I think Desmond Ritter can kind of be the hiccup in this prediction, and I might look like a total idiot for it, but. I think they have a running back that they can put 100% of their load on. And if they want to spread it around, they have Cordero Patterson still coming back and Tower Algiers. I, you got to think that Arthur Smith was the, the coach for the Tennessee Titans when they gave Derrick Henry the ball 300 times a game uh, or yeah. a season, <laughs> two, two years in a row. So they're going to be run heavy. So it kind of takes Ritter out of it. And then when he does throw, he does have some talent with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So I don't know. I think it's going to be close. I don't see it being an 11 win team. I think that the Falcons take the division at nine and eight with uh, probably a late win over the the Saints um, in Atlanta to edge them out. Uh, This will definitely be a one, one team gets in the playoff kind of deal, I think, from this division. So. My pick is going to be the New Orleans Saints because I think quarterback-wise, they're probably set up the best with Derek Carr um, having the most experience. The only other one you could argue would be Baker Mayfield. And I don't know. He's been so up and down lately. I don't know how much you can trust him, especially I feel like it's going to be a down season for the for the Bucks after losing Tom Brady. So fan pick, I'm going the Saints. Who that, baby? Get him back in the playoffs. Uh, before we jump to our SEC preview really quickly, let's get to who got that dog in it. Who got that dog in them? Uh, this week, there are not a whole lot of people to choose from. I'm going to start because y'all are going to steal mine. We're going to Ellie De La Cruz. Just, I mean, he, should have, he has his dog in him every week. So, there you go. Tyler, who you got? Oh, yeah, I'm going with his teammate, 
Auto. So we'll see what red, probably yours, since everybody loves about Ellie De La Cruz. Everybody loves to forget about Joey Votto. He had an absolute electric seven days, hitting 429, four home runs, and 10 ribbies. So Look he's out. getting up, well, you know, he's getting to the end of his career, but it's definitely been a sensational career for Votto. Most people don't really like him, uh, but I love him. I love him. I'm going to be the show. I hit a nuke of him a couple of days ago, and he hit nukes and realized. So I'm going to go, Joe, who got that dog in him? Okay. Wade, who you got? Who got that dog? All right, we'll stick with, with baseball. I'm going to go with Blake Snell of the Padres. Um, he had a really rough start to the season, but since Labor – or not Labor Day, since Memorial Day, he has thrown 36 innings, has four wins, has let up four earned runs in that time period, and has struck out 63 batters. So – that's what I call turning it around. That's about two strikeouts an inning, four runs scattered over that period, ERA under one. So he's definitely got that dog in him right now. Fletch. Snellzilla. Snellzilla. Oh. I like it. Uh, let's tee it up. We'll go to the links. Uh, today, Sepp Straka <laughs> fires off a 62. Um, so yes. So close to a 59. He set up for a 59 mm. on the – what 18th hole or the 72nd yeah. hole i'm sorry yep. 72nd hole of the tournament uh and hits a it ends up hitting a double so i i think yeah, hits it in the water hits it in the water ends up with a double and, and i he was what i think it was 11 under through 14 holes which was incredible um so i i think that uh he definitely is that guy who got that dog in him at least through seven, 71 holes i mean it's so. a yeah. And what's crazy is you see guys that go for a 59 watch. They're usually not the dudes leading the tournament. They're just that the guys out there playing free on Sunday. They got no chance to win it. He was the, he didn't start in the lead for the day. Um, and he goes out and he shoots nine under to win the John Deere Classic at 21 under. Uh, second place was two under. Or not two under, sorry. That would have been crazy. Second place was uh, 19 under, so two shots behind. Um, but that's our dog of the week. We'll throw it up on Twitter and y'all can let us know who you pick. Um, so let's, let's go. I mentioned the sec previews. Uh, don't worry, Futch. We're going to have your big 10 previews coming on. Uh, we'll do so, it okay, next I'm week. A, hey, look, 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 you might have to check your temperature, but I'm excited for the sec preview. Oh, okay. Oh. Hey, the I big 10 marinated them enough down here in the south. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So SEC put some Tony Satcheries on. Yeah, he's like a good gumbo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Better, better with time. Um, of course, Georgia was the runaway well, last year. That's fine year. wine, sir. <laughs> but oh, okay. gumbo works good at, at uh, leftovers. That's a good as well. I would, I wouldn't want gumbo that is aged. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> okay, as long as the crock pot's on, it's good. <laughs> Throughout the day, you let it cook. Is what I was saying. Okay, as long uh, as we're in the same day. Georgia, of course, was the you know wins the national championship last year, went undefeated in in uh, conference play, and all they're a lot of people's favorite this year. Uh, but I'm not buying it. New quarterback, a lot of guys are going. Um, of course, I think everybody from that listens to the show is familiar with who's in what division. But uh, since it's the last year for the divisions, I'll read them off to you. The SEC West: you got Alabama, LSU, Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Texas A&M. And that is in uh, somehow Alabama finished ahead of LSU last year, according to Google, which is not true because LSU went to the uh, conference championship, but they did have a better sure overall. That's right, Google. Yeah, come on, Google. Um, so let's talk about it. Who is our prediction to win the SEC West this year? 
Fudge, you start. Oh, no, 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 no. No. Okay, never mind. Fudge, no, you could no. do the SEC East. Yeah. <laughs> Wade, you're decked out in LSU gear. Is that who you're taking to win the SEC West? I am. I'm going to take LSU confidently. I think that this is the first season where we've come into the year and we don't know who the favorite is. And I think that you can not definitively tell me Alabama's better than LSU. So uh, I'm going to give them the nod. But I think we all know it's going to be whoever wins that game. Unless right. Texas a and finally shows up, which I don't see happening. Well, you got a guy, Connor Wigman, who's going to be your starter as a sophomore. I mean, yeah, he balled out in the last game of the season, but that was the last game of the season. Um, someone that I would keep my eye on is KJ Jefferson down there in Arkansas. Uh, I think that's a dark horse to make a run for the SEC West title mm. if they can play a full season. I'm They'll have a good year, but I just don't I'm see it. I'm done him. with Arkansas hype. I've tried to hype this team up for like two straight years, and it's let me down. They like start off like hot, and then well, that's it what is I'm cool. saying. New York Mets of football. You ready for this? <laughs> you ready right, for this? I've been sniffing some vacation air, so uh, I think I'm gonna go with a team as my dark horse oh, in the SEC West is South Carolina. Well, South Carolina's in the East, so wait oh, for that one. <laughs> Kill me. Pick him in the East. Pick him in the East. And it failed. He's ready for 2024, guys, for the exactly. report. Yeah, I am. I am. Better. Thank God. I mean, all jokes aside, my pick to win the SEC West is LSU. I think just from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, they even had last the best year in the West. One. I know. I pick, I mean, I was all aboard the LSU train. Y'all called me stupid with it being BK's first year. Boom, they did it. I mean, it's a homer pick, but outside of LSU, my dark horse would be Arkansas if they string together a full season and don't lose against AM and then fall apart like they did last year. And the injuries don't help either. So, Tyler, who's your pick for the West? Yeah, I think the SEC West, there's a lot of question marks uh, with a lot of teams, you know, specifically Alabama, who's going to be their starting quarterback. Uh, you know, have a lot of key pieces on both sides of the ball. Nick Saban's always going to reload, but, you know, replacing a talent like Bryce Young is definitely going to be crucial for them. Auburn with their new head coach, I think that they're going to be a couple of years away from getting back on the top of the SEC. Same with Mississippi, the circumstances that they had to go through last year. Just don't know how that team, yeah, that's tough their to, makeup to is going to be. Ole Miss, uh, you know, still has some talent. They have one of the best quarterback rooms uh, in the SEC. You know, Spencer Sanders, Jackson Dart, Walker Howe, those are your top three guys. I still think that uh, Jackson Dart will be, get the keys to the offense uh, in that one. I, I just think that Spencer Sanders going there was just a real, you know, question mark for me. I thought that he on somewhere else where he could have stepped in as a QB1. Uh, but in the end, like you, and also Arkansas, like I mentioned, you know, they have the talent, but I just feel like this team just lets me down every year when I try to hype them up on <laughs> SEC Talk. So I'm done with them. So I'm going to go with LSU. I think that, you know, they're set up to win the SEC West. They did it. You know, yeah, what a shocking pick that I'm picking LSU. What a surprise. <laughs> so I'm going to go with LSU. I think that their defense, uh, their, their cornerback situation, once again, is going to be a big question mark. You know, their, their defensive line, you know, no more B.J. Argelari, no Ali Gay. So that's going to be two of you guys. But this offense is going to be the best offense in the SEC. Pretty much everybody's coming back. Jane Daniels. He's going to be a Heisman Trophy winner, possibly a winner. I think that he's going to elevate his status. He's going to be a first-round draft pick next year, and I'm going to go all in. I'm going to think that LSU wins SEC West, and it's going to come down to the LSU-Bama game once again. 
I like it. I like it. Um, I, I mean, I'm not writing off Nick Saban and Alabama to any level. Oh, they could easily <laughs> win it all. <laughs> yeah, you can't write. I'm not saying they're going to go like six and six. Yeah, but they just don't have the quarterback play to me something? to confidently pick. <laughs> I would love it if they went six and six. I don't think they've um, gone like six and six. Like I can't. I don't think that. Think I don't think the last time they had in five. <laughs> have they had a losing Definitely season before since Nick Saban? Have they had a losing season since uh, Saban's been the head coach? No. Uh, I know in their first, first season year. they lost to ULM, but I still think they had a winning season. Yeah, I so they, yeah, the quarterback is a big question mark for them. Um, but, I mean, they got guys. They got five stars coming yeah. in every year. I'm sure old Nicky Nick's going to have them figured out ready to play. So, You've seen him win with, like, Jacob Coker. So, I mean, quarterback <laughs> doesn't matter. True. SEC East. Fudge, no, since you were so happy to get started with South Carolina, tell us why South Carolina is going to win the SEC East. You like Spencer Rattler? Uh, Spencer. Uh, <clears throat> I just think they – I think, number one, I weirdly enough, um, I think they'll probably have the best defense uh, in the SEC East this year. Uh, a okay. little surprising, but I think Bold. they ultimately yeah. – uh, momentum from previous – you know, from last season – uh, I think will play a big part in South Carolina season. Uh, I think the key, the moment we know that they're going to be a team that could be dangerous towards the end of the season is if they beat Clemson. Um, I, I think that can happen. I, I don't think that's a far-fetched uh, thought. Not really. so <laughs> I, I think that uh, South Carolina is definitely uh, my pick, my dark horse pick. Um, I, I think that the team that is probably the most obvious team that would win it would be Georgia, and of course behind them would be uh, would be Tennessee. I, 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 but I don't see how Tennessee really is going to draw up that much offense. You've lost a lot of key pieces with them. Uh, will they get good recruits? Sure, but uh, when you lose a lot of guys, you know, it really becomes a process of finding multiple recruiting classes in a row. And I just don't think Tennessee has done that. And that's why I think the division has gotten really weak. Okay. I mean, it's really anybody's game or anybody's shot below, like you said, below Georgia or Tennessee, Tennessee loses their, their, their guy that Hendon hooker and then Georgia. I, I'm not buying the hype. I mean, yeah, they won two championships back to back, but once again, who's your quarterback, right? Um, you lose a lot of dudes to the draft. I said it in uh, Bite Bengal Bites. I thought Spencer Rattler was going to have a like an All American season. I think he's going to really jump up in his draft, uh, his draft stock this season. So, Fudge, I like your South Carolina pick, and I'm kind of rolling with the Gamecocks to win the East. Uh, Dark Horse, Vanderbilt. I mean, you got to watch out for Vanderbilt. (laughs) Why don't you just call South Carolina your Dark Horse? That's already a Dark Horse enough. Yeah, so – but I'm I'm interested to see what Billy Napier does in Florida in his second year. Um, Isn't looking Mm -hmm. great for him. I'm glad LSU didn't hire him. I'm glad we went with Brian Kelly. Uh, But, I mean, your top two in everybody's mind is like Georgia, Tennessee. But – I mean, we'll see if Tennessee is ready to play with um, – it's Kate – it's – what's his first name? It's Milton as their quarterback. Joe Milton. Joe Milton. Joe Milton. Um, I mean, he had a great passing uh, – Manning passing academy performance, but anybody can look good in camp. 
Uh, we'll just see if he translates onto the field. Tyler, what do you know about the East? Yeah, I think that the East is going to be more top-heavy. You know, the teams at the bottom are probably going to be the same that you saw in 2022 with Florida, Missouri, uh, and Vanderbilt. I do think that Vanderbilt does get enough wins uh, to become bowl eligible. I think that they're, you know, riding in the right direction. I think that Clark Lee is definitely the right guy for them. Florida, like you mentioned with Billy Napier, I, I, th- I just think, you know, with Graham Mertz being there, I mean, I just have any faith in him this season their defense had a lot of issues last season even with the talent that they had their front defensive front so I, I honestly think that Billy Napier is going to be out of Gainesville after this season you know I don't, it's going to be a very pretty season down there in Gainesville you know they have a rough schedule they have Florida State to end off the season and Florida State is probably going to still be in the ACC title race potentially in the national title race too so I think that Kentucky would definitely Devin Leary is definitely going to be an interesting story. Kentucky is always one of those teams that start off hot, but all you know, whenever they get to the meat of their schedule, then they just fall flat. So it's interesting to keep an eye on Kentucky. And with Tennessee, Joe Millen, South Carolina, and Spencer Rattler, their story is nice and all, but in Georgia. Have you looked at their schedule? I mean, this is one of the easiest schedules in college That's football true. I've ever that seen. That is true. You don't need a quarterback to win those. It's very weak. They're in conference. They get most, of, you know, the, their home games. They get South Carolina at home. You think that South Carolina has been surrounded going to come to that stadium and beat them? Heck no. So, Georgia's going to go 12-0 and once again. I'm not going to be one okay. of those guys. Georgia's claiming, oh, you thought we were going to go 6-6, six 5-7. And six, and nope. I think you go 12-0. and So, don't write about me, Georgia. <laughs> All right. Tyler, Tyler is keeping the receipts, and he's picking Georgia. Wait. Yep. Who you got? You go. You go. Me and Jacob going with your Gamecocks. <laughs> no, I'm glad y'all took the the fall. So, I'm gonna take uh, <laughs> Georgia as well in this one. Um, I think we're setting up for maybe another Georgia versus LSU uh, for the the SEC championship. I like it. So l- l- you mentioned that that's your pick, Georgia LSU. Um, I'm going. I know I took South Carolina. Uh, well, I'll stick with it. South Carolina versus LSU in the SEC championship. Tyler, who you got? I got Georgia versus LSU in the SEC championship. All right, write it out, Mr. Fudge. It can't be South Carolina versus South Carolina. Who you got in the SEC <laughs> championship? <laughs> I'm rolling with you, Chet. Uh, I'm going LSU, South Carolina. Okay, so there you are. All right, our- see you in Atlanta. Okay. Hey, if, if- all right, we'll we'll lay this out right now. South Carolina, LSU, the four of us are going to Atlanta. We're going to watch that game. Absolutely, one hundred percent. What is that in December? Uh, I think you're going to be in Jamaica, but we'll come. No, no, we'll no. come kidnap you. The, it's it's the first week of December. First week yeah. of December. So yeah, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out. It might be an expensive December. You can just for me. do an extended layover in Atlanta. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm actually flying through Charlotte, but. Maybe I'll change the flight. That makes no sense, but all right. <laughs> I'll explain after the show what's happening. So that's our SEC preview uh, for this season. Like I said beforehand, we're going to go through each conference. Uh, Futch, if you can guarantee you'll be on next weekend, we'll do the Big Ten. We're not doing the Big Ten without you, but we'll make sure you're on to, to preview the Big Ten. Um, cool. We're running Big out 10, of time. AFC so North, NFC, NFC North, yeah. There you go. Uh, I don't know if we're. I guess we'll just do the Power Five. I think it's probably the best way to do it because I don't know anything about the whack in the in the Mountain West. Um, we'll get educated with college football coast to coast. Come on, Come on. boom! There's the. No, we show. haven't been on since March, but still. College football coast to coast, and of course SEC talk. Uh, hope I think both of them will make their return during football season. Is what it sounds like. 
Um, so you can catch them over on our YouTube channel. And to round out the show, we got a NASCAR Neil update, live race update is what he's been sending me. And I've got uh, – buckle in, boys, because I've got one. So right. this week's race in Atlanta started with Richard Childress leading the pace laps in Kevin Harvick's 29 car, which he won his first race here in 2001. So it's a little old. After, ta- after taking over for Dale Sr. As a, as a fitting send-off for Harvick, who is racing here for the last time. That race in 2001 was just his third start, as well as what regarded by most as the first healing moment during the season. So Bell, who started at the rear, worked his way up to six in stage one, which was won by Ryan Blaney. And these last five laps of stage were wild and full of battles going from single file to two and three wide as they fought for stage points. There was a major wreck by Kyle Larson on lap 93 in turn four caused by Eric Jones, who gave him a bad push. Bad Mr. Eric. Um, while trying to put on the next lap, his right front blows, causing significant damage to his car. That sucks. The track as a whole is already starting to show major wear in Stage 2, which is making for great racing as cars are naturally getting loose, and the race is still going on due to a later start time with the weather. So he says he'll send more updates as they happen. Uh, let's see. We got a few more coming through. There's a caution on lap 123, uh, which may prevent them reaching lap 130 before the rain starts. Uh, which will cause more problems as it continues on. Seven gets loose, col- collecting the one, and 54 who are trying to get back in. Uh, we got some some giant multi-lap battles between Cindric and Brad K, uh, with both having teammates behind pushing, a little shake-and-bake action going there. Um, Brad's in the lead, at, uh, back with Truix up front after being in an early wreck as well. Race is full-on amazing. I think it's Neil's favorite one of the year so far. Um, there's a wreck with six laps to go in the stage. It looks like we'll be under caution to finish the stage out. Brad K was in the lead when it came out and Hamlin and Bowman were involved in that wreck. So we'll see how that wraps up. You'll have to follow NASCAR Neil on Twitter because he will tweet out the winner. I didn't talk to him about that, but now Neil, it's on you. You got to tweet out the winner of the race. He can can get (laughs) the instructions here. So there you go. Um, Neil, we appreciate it as always, sending in those updates. And I think that pretty much wraps up the show a little longer this week since we had our fourth man, fourth co-chair, Jacob, come back on, had to get his takes. So And the, and the NFC South SEC preview. That's all of our football investment right there. So Exactly. Um, of course, we had the live dr- uh, draft check-in, so that was always fun to, to get. I'm looking. The first round has not finished yet. Uh, That's time for getting picked. No, mm-hmm. Hurston Waldrop was picked by the Braves, the Florida pitcher. Oh, so uh, I like it. I like it. He sucked, but I would have gone with Ty Floyd because that, that matchup was a lot better and Flynn's towards Floyd. <laughs> um, but uh, it's still a good pitcher. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, of course, we love doing the live shows and getting the comments. Jack, whoever you are, thanks for tuning in because you were you were commenting every step of the way. Um, we appreciate it. Of course, NASCAR Neil as well. Um, That's it, boys. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll catch everyone next week.